the Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast brought to you by BetMGM. This is the Group of Five Deep Dive, a reminder to our audience that you can follow all of our picks on Action app. That's BBOC G5 Deep Dive, searching through the Action Network app. So, Mike, we don't have to belabor the points. The Troy Hail Mary that went against us pretty much encapsulated our week three. So we're on to week four. Hopefully we can get it started with some positivity. And what better place to go to than our G5 hero? Every single week, we identify a player, coach, official, school administrator. Let me get us started here. Chris Hampton, Tulane defensive coordinator. Probably one of the most underrated upsets of week three. This Tulane program has not been 3-0 since 1998, hearkening back to the days of Sean King, Rich Rod, Tommy Bowden. That team finished seventh in the AP poll that year. But this Tulane team getting it done with defense. They hold K-State to 336 total yards, zero points in the second half. So Chris Hampton gets my G5 Hero of the Week designation and certainly not going to be invited to any uh, Martinez family barbecues holding Adrian Martinez to a QBR of 41.3 for the Wildcats there. What are your thoughts on Tulane? Maybe making some noise in the AAC this year. Yeah, I like it. Uh, you, you know, I, I believe we both were on the Tulane win total over. That was one of our uh, AAC bets. So it's looking pretty good. Um, as you mentioned, by the way, Tough week. We're moving on. Thank God for Kansas. I just want to say, Brett McMurphy, you coward. Rank Kansas already. <laughs> Rank Kansas. Uh, for my G5 fear of the week, I actually have two. I'm going to go with a real one and then a kind of, you know, heartstring one. I'm going with Chris Reynolds, our guy, Charlotte. Rough season uh, for the 49ers. Club lit has not been fired up. He returns from injury, 401 yards, five touchdowns, and a thrilling 42-41 win versus Georgia State. Weird win because I have the over in both of those uh, win totals, so that was kind of a weird game for me but I mean Chris Reynolds is awesome he threw a touchdown with 17 seconds uh Stucky actually had a funny tweet on the weekend that he said is is any quarterback more valuable to their team than Chris Reynolds considering that their backups cannot complete a forward pass I mean they, they used three other quarterbacks in the last two weeks they've had three touchdowns in a, in a game and a half and he had five last week so Chris Reynolds is my g5 fear of the week my second g5 fear of the week Sonny Cumbie just one of those college football stories, you know, there's a lot of negativity around college football. Awesome, awesome move. Wearing the Ella Strong shirt for uh, against Clemson for Brian Brissy, whose sister died of cancer this week. He had every player on the Louisiana Tech team write a handwritten letter to Brian Brissy and his family. And I thought it was a freaking awesome move. So I just wanted to give Sonny Cumbie some love. He's G5 hero of the week as well, because that was just a really, really cool move from him. I know this G5 podcast, but I do have to throw this in there. I think my favorite bet of the entire week is an emotional performance from the Clemson defense rallying around Bressie coming back. 
laying only seven against a Wake Forest team that they fed into the wood chipper time and time again. They sacked Sam Hartman seven times last year. I think that that is a really difficult spot for the claw fence to go in and move the football against a motivated Clemson team. And this is kind of right in Dabo Swinney's wheelhouse. He loves to, to play that master motivator. He's connected to his players in the locker room. I think you're going to see a really good performance from a Clemson team well, that's been taking a, a ton of negativity this season and really ever since DJU you know, struggled last year. Well, Mike, uh, check out the Action Network app on Saturday when me and Tanner in our weekly spread option debate picks debate Clemson Wake Forest. I'm on Clemson in that game, so I hope you're right. So that is actually mine and Tanner's spread option debate for this week. All right. Speaking of picks, let's go back into the G5 well here. Going to start with best bets for week number four. I've been waiting patiently, hiding in the weeds, waiting to fade our favorite, Butch Jones and the Arkansas State Red Wolves. Here we go. Old Dominion laying six against Arkansas State. And really, I mean, Arkansas State had that, that great opener against Grambling. They played a good 20 minutes against Ohio State. But the real Arkansas defense showed up last week against Memphis. They gave up 44 points, 547 total yards, zero turnovers, and just two sacks. And here comes Old Dominion, who's played a very challenging schedule. They beat Virginia Tech. They lose to ECU. They lose at the gun and a game-winning field goal from UVA. So they are within a hair having a two-and-one start. And I think you're getting a discount here because of that. I think the public is looking at Old Dominion one and two against an Arkansas state team that's one and two. They are not on the same playing field, in my opinion. Allie Jen- Jennings the third, teaming up with Zach Kuntz, who finally appeared last week, had a really nice game. I think when you pepper in the ODU defense, which despite its schedule has been 31st in red zone defense, they're generating a lot of turnovers, 2.7 per game. They've been great in special teams, particularly in punt coverage. Ethan Sanchez, their place kicker, has been perfect all season long. I was thrilled to see this under 10 and underneath the key number of seven. I'm going to go ahead with the Monarchs here. I know I don't have to talk you into rooting for the Wolfpack, but is there any reason not to play a bet against Arkansas State and Bush Jones? Are you riding with the Wolfpack, Breeze? Welcome aboard. Wolf in the shotgun. And he's got him. Asking you shall receive, my friend, from Hayden Wolf. I tried to fade Arkansas State last week. Obviously, they did manage to cover against Memphis, but they got outgained 547 to 370. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm all aboard. ODU, Wolfpack for life. All right, how about you? Best bet? I'm taking TCU. The Sunny Dykes Bowl is minus two at BetMGM now. When I bet it, they were the TCU was the dog. I got a money line of plus money. Sunny Dykes revenge game. He left SMU, take the job at TCU. I think TCU is very good, personally. They mixed in freshman Chandler Morris and Max Duggan at quarterback. Duggan's obviously a senior. Morris got hurt, but honestly, I think Duggan's better. I just think he knows the offense better. It just looks smoother when he's in. He's completing 78% of his passes. He's got five touchdowns, no interceptions through the air. Sure, they lost Zach Evans, but I feel like he never really lived up to the hype anyways, you know, five-star prospect. And now they're just doing it by committee. You know, Kendra Miller, he, he was better than Evans at times last year. They got Amani Bailey in from Louisiana. Uh, they run Wildcat quarterback Sam Jackson. Uh, I don't know if his middle name starts with an L, but I hope it does. Uh, and like I said, they get it done by committee. They're averaging 227 rushing yards per game. They're averaging almost seven yards per carry. They're eighth in the country in rushing explosiveness. And we saw against this SMU defense, Maryland, 
it was like not the best running team. They ran for 225 yards and two scores last week. Their lead back averaged 9.4 yards per carry. When SMU has the ball, all they do is throw it. And TCU is eighth in the country in pass play success rate on defense. We talked about a lot TCU hiring Joseph Gillespie as their defensive coordinator from Tulsa. Not surprisingly, for anyone who's watched Tulsa, who consistently ranked in the top 25 in Havoc, TCU is now second in the country in defensive Havoc. So they are going to be able to just pin their ears back and get after Tanner Mordecai. Who, and maybe this bet's a little bit of bias because we, we were on the over and SMU last, <laughs> last week. So maybe I'm just angry because they had, they had two drives that they could score. It would have hit cash both of them. And he just couldn't get it done late in the game. And, and anyone who watched that game saw Rasheed Rice is an absolute freak. He is so good, but he's kind of all they have. When they needed a completion, they threw it to him at every single possession. He had 11 catches, 19 targets. All their other receivers and tight ends combined had 20 targets. They're two great corners that TCU has that can take away Rice or at least limit him. I'll take the Horn Frogs in the Sunny Dykes revenge game. I mean, the proof's in the pudding with Gillespie. He played against Mordecai head-to-head, you know, as the defensive coordinator at Tulsa last year. Two interceptions, just one touchdown, and he was able to put him under pressure. And, and that's really the, the name of the game when it comes to SMU. When he's under pressure and you take away that number one option, you're going to see a lot of padding the football, some panic throws, some sacks. I'm with you on this one. This is a game I circled. I think that it makes sense to go ahead and play Dykes in this spot. And I'm surprised it's actually, you know, stayed under that key number of three. There's plenty of value there. Also, real quick, there's no better sign you make a convincing argument than when you get a notification mid-podcast that our producer, Matt Mitchell, just live bet TCU as we're recording. So I guess I was convincing. Um, But anyway. (laughs) And now before we continue, here's a word from Stucky with our sponsor, BetMGM. As a reminder, the Big Bets on Campus podcast is proudly presented by BetMGM. So kick off the new pro football season with the king of sports books. Sign up with BetMGM using bonus code ACTION200 and your first wager is risk-free up to $1,000. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Puerto Rico, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C., West Virginia, Wyoming, or Ontario only. Must be 21 years or older to wager. 19 or older in Ontario. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. D.C., Kansas, Louisiana, Nevada, Wyoming, or Virginia, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan, 1-800-GAMBLER in Indiana, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York, call or text the Tennessee Red Line at 800-889-9789 or 1-888-777-9696 in Mississippi. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, Ohio, and Utah, and other states were prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada and New York. We now transition to our G5 High Five. The G5 High Five. Should we high five? High five! Get it started here. I'm wearing my Mac shirt, very Mac heavy, G5 high five this week. This game should be played on Tuesday. We should be watching this game yesterday, but I'm laying them with Eastern Michigan uh, against Buffalo six last time I looked. This Buffalo team just really bad. They're 125th in the country in passing success rate, 
130th in offensive explosion. You know, Cole Snyder, I actually thought he'd be decent. Buffalo native coming, transferring from Rutgers, kind of a cool story. He's completing just 60% of his passes. He's got as many turnover-worthy plays as big-time throws. And then you look on the other side, Taylor Powell transferred from Missouri and Troy. He has struggled with turnovers a little bit. He's got four touchdowns, five picks. But he has eight big-time throws and just five turnover-worthy plays. And he's definitely gotten the, the you know bad end of some drops. His completion percentage is 66%. But when you adjust that for drops, it's 78%. So got to catch the ball at Eastern Michigan. But if they do, I think – I mean, Powell's been putting it there. They just – they got to catch it. Uh, running back Samson Evans was a backup for the last two years. He's finally in the main role. He's averaging 122 yards per carry, leads the MAC, sixth in the entire country. Against Arizona State last week, he had 258 yards and a touchdown. He averaged 7.2 yards per carry. I mean, he basically killed Herm Edwards himself. So, and then the Eagles, they, they rank 38th in the country in finishing drives on offense. This Buffalo defense is 97th at preventing finishing drives. Buffalo is 130th in the country in tackling. I mentioned Evans again. He's second in the MAC in yards after contact, top 20 in the country. I just I like this Eastern Michigan offense. I feel like they've been kind of you know picking up steam the last two or three years, and I just think Buffalo is really bad. They're going to struggle to tackle. Eastern Michigan's going to pick up big plays through the ground and through the air. And I don't think Buffalo has the dudes to match it. So I'll lay under a touchdown with Eastern Michigan. Eastern Michigan's a lightning delay away from being the MAC, <laughs> Mac darling. You know they were playing great against Louisiana. I was bullish on them in the preseason then they go ahead and fold after that you know super long delay really disappointing they turn around and just lay it on the sun devils in tempe as you mentioned ending herm edwards career did you see what eastern michigan tweeted after the arizona state game they tweeted the final score graphic and the caption was just you play to win the game (laughs) oh you play to win the game hello you play to win the game you don't play to just play it let me keep it in mac country Kent State catching 45 and a half at Georgia. All right, let's do the autopsy on some of their games here, their paycheck games early in the season. They go to Oklahoma, hold Oklahoma to 33 points. They scored three themselves. Dylan Gabriel played the whole game, limited some of the big plays other than Marvin Mims hurting them. And then in the opener against Washington, they scored 20 points. So they lose 45-20 there. I think this is a team that's primed to take a big jump up once Mac play starts. So the question is, is Colin Schley and their offense good enough to give you 14 points against Georgia? And interestingly, I think this really comes down to just power rankings. I think this is purely one that the books pulled out their power rankings. They're like, obviously Georgia can name their number. So we're going to go off of them being the number one team in the country and Kent State being way down the board. 45 and a half just feels a lot to me with, as I mentioned, Schley has played well. And he's a dual threat quarterback. So I think that kind of leans in the direction of getting some garbage conversions in the second half when he's playing against second and third stringers. He has 177 yards on the ground through three games. I don't know. I, I look at the way that Georgia addressed this from you know a second and third string perspective. They played a ton of third stringers against South Carolina. So I'm gonna expect more of that. You know, Kent State and Sean Lewis find a way, in my opinion, score 14 points, lose 56-14, gonna go ahead and grab the 45 and a half. I think being over the key number of six touchdowns is enough to talk me into the golden flashes here. I'm sure that Stucky somewhere off in, in Mac lands, his, his brain is always dedicated to this conference, is probably unhappy with this pick. He's not the biggest Kent State fan in the world. But honestly, I just think Georgia is going to be focused on getting back to the SEC next week. They want to keep people healthy. They're never going to be in you know any jeopardy of losing this game outright. So 
seems like too many points. All I know is Sean Lewis should fist fight his administration and whoever made this schedule because this is an absolute travesty what, what they're doing to their program here. It's it's a big number. The back door will be open the entire game. I'm staying in the Mac as well. I hope I hope Matt Mitchell is just playing Mark Morrison after every one of our picks. Uh, <laughs> I'm going with who I still think is the best team in the MAC. Toledo. Sky rockets in flight. Uh, I'm taking Toledo against San Diego State. Numbers been floating around. It opened as a pick. I think last time I looked, it was like two and a half, three. I have been on Toledo to win the MAC. Still think they're the best team in the uh, conference after the first three games. Even in their blowout loss last week to Ohio State, which you know you knew was coming. They put up 307 yards. You know, Daquan Finn had two touchdown passes. He rushed for 70 yards in a score as well. So far this year, he's averaging 180 yards passing with five touchdowns, 69 yards rushing and four scores. So he's getting it done with, I mean, not as much as arm as I probably would like, but he's getting it done with his legs. He's mobile. And along with Finn, you know, Jaquez Stewart and Penny Boone have split carries. Um, Toledo ranks 28th in the country in rushing success rate. And this San Diego State defense that, is you know has been so stout over the last couple of years they're just 76 at defending the rush they're 78 in passing success on defense they've been leaky and, and toledo has the best defense in the mac they returned a ton of production they're one of the best defenses you know in the g5 in my opinion and i think they have a huge advantage against the san diego state offense that's just dreadful i really hope colin wilson's not still betting these overs toledo's 21st at defending finishing drives san diego state is 116th at finishing drives on offense the rockets are 17th at creating havoc the aztecs are just 82nd at preventing it braxton burmeister is bad he's completing 52 percent of his passes he's averaging 55 passing yards per game 55 per game he struggled against idaho state <laughs> idaho state San Diego State's strength has kind of always been their running game. Last year's second-leading rusher, who was their returning top back, Chance Bell, he's hurt. He's not expected to play. Their leading receiver right now has six catches in three games. Six catches. He's their leading receiver. I think Toledo will come in this game by a field goal. I think Finn's the best player on the field. I think their defense is better than San Diego State's defense. And I don't know how San Diego State's going to just outscore teams. They're just they're so bad on offense. So I'll lay with Toledo, sticking in the MAC. Got some unfinished business here in Toledo. San Diego State defensively, I think they got exposed in the opener against Arizona. And Toledo's a balanced team. And honestly, that just seemed like a neck crack game for Ohio State. I think that has little to no impact whatsoever on this game. I'm with you on that pick. I'm going to finish up mine with a team that we detailed pretty thoroughly in, in August in the Mountain West. And that's Wyoming. Surprising 3-1 and start for the Pokes. They upset Air Force. In really a strange game, Air Force misses a kick. Otherwise, it could have gone to overtime. They went 17-14. When it comes to laying north of three touchdowns, which is what BYU is laying here at home, 22 and a half as of this recording, you worry about the backdoor cover. You worry about a team throwing the ball down the field at the end of the game and potentially getting a score. Wyoming is run heavy. They're low scoring, 21 points per game. And when you look at all the key metrics through the air, at best, they're 118th nationally. At worst, I would argue they're probably the worst passing attack in the G5. So because of that, I think BYU in a nice bounce back spot after playing back-to-back games against Power 5 programs. They beat Baylor at home. They lose pretty convincingly at Oregon. 
even with their injuries at wide receiver, I'll go ahead and break some news here. Puka Nakua, they kept it on, on the down low. He's got a high ankle sprain. That means he's done for September. They keep saying he's day-to-day. He was walking around in a boot. Um, it's a boot, yeah. <laughs> they even did, you know, shout out to the, the social media team. They even cropped it. He was getting off the plane in Eugene, and they're like, Puka's here. Every other person that they showed getting off the plane, it was the full body shot. They did not show him, you know, from the knee down because he was wearing the boot. Um, same thing with Gunnar Romney. He has a lacerated kidney. I think it's very unlikely that he's going to, you know, lace it up here and play. But even so, I think there's a bounce back game for Jaron Hall. Roberts has been a nice revelation at wide receiver. I, it, I, it's difficult for me to look at the Oregon game and say that's the real BYU team and not the one that looked masterful defensively against Baylor. They took everything away in the air for Shapin and they were really physical on the ground for a run defense that has had its ups and downs this year. I just don't see Wyoming hanging around. And when they do get down and the game flow and the game scripts, you know, basically forces them into a corner where they have to throw, Peasley's not, not going to be able to get it done. So I'm going to go ahead here with the Cougs laying 22 and a half. I'd lay it all the way up to 24. I think this is a nice opportunity for them to get right emotionally. And with a veteran coach like Sataki, I think there, there's no reason to think there's going to be a hangover from losing at Oregon. The Cougars, I know they have some injuries. I know they have some warts, but this is still a top 25 caliber team against a Wyoming team that we figured would be in the bottom 20 nationally. So where are you on this matchup at West? I totally agree. I think BYU is one of those teams that I always kind of feel like is they always kind of just seem underrated. And I think them getting smoked last week just only, you know, made that stronger. And I mean, you know, my feelings on Wyoming. So yeah, I absolutely agree with you. My last bit of the D5 high five. I'm going back to Boone. Welcome to the Sun Belt, James Madison. App State minus seven. What a wild, wild three weeks for Mountaineer fans. First, they lose a 63-61, to 61, just banana lands heartbreaker to North Carolina. Then they get the thrilling upset at number six, Texas A&M. Then they went on a crazy walk-off Hail Mary against Troy. Don't worry, Mountaineer fans. I think you finally get to rest the old blood pressure, relax a little bit. James Madison, they've had two cupcakes against Middle Tennessee, who stinks, and Norfolk State. You know, nice little ease into the FBS. They, they did beat them both convincingly, which I was impressed with. But now it's time to wake up. Now it's the real show. You know, this App State team has been battle tested. They, they, they played an in-state ACC rival. They went on the road to an SEC school. They faced a very good Sunbelt Conference opponent. And, you know, yeah, I, I could understand the argument of it's like, oh, this is a letdown spot for them after three hard games. But for me, this is kind of the like, let's just relax and play our game. App State has consistently been one of the better teams in the Sun Belt and in the G5. I just trust them more. I think App State's going to dominate this game in the trenches, both sides of the ball. App State leads the country at preventing havoc on offense, and PFF has them graded as the seventh best pass rush on defense. James Madison's pretty small up front. App State gives them a nice welcome to the big leagues here. Chase Bryce, Peoples, and Noel should run all over them. I'm going to go with the App State line the touchdown. That's a pass for me. I, I do love the over. 
Because when you look at these two teams, Kirk Signetti, 35 and 5 in his last 40 games, dating back to all their dominance at the FCS level. They were within a touchdown of North Dakota State in the semis last year. A really good team in 2021. He only brings eight starters over. So there was there was a lot of um, I, I think justified skepticism over how good the Dukes could be. Offensively, they bring in Santeo, who was, you know, an afterthought at Colorado State. And he's been one of, according to Pro Football Focus, one of the top quarterbacks in the entire country and a true dual threat, which I think is going to be necessary because as you bring up, App State's going to be able to put pressure on him. So he's going to have to make plays outside the pocket, you know, move the chains with his legs. I just think that they're going to be able to score because they've been so dynamic on offense. But defensively, they do not have the personnel to hold up against an App State running game. So I'm going to go ahead and play the over. I think it's sitting right now at 58 and a half. I played all the way up to 62, but I'll just go ahead with, with a high scoring game in the Sun Belt. And one piece of information that was just slid across my desk, the Action Network's new live show, Green Dot Daily with Dane Martinez, is now available in podcast form, available for download every afternoon, Monday through Friday. Green Dot Daily, wherever you like to listen, you can find it on your podcast feed. All right, we are now going to wrap things up with our Moneyline Underdog Parlay. Turning good weekends into great weekends. It's time for the Moneyline Parlay. Last week, we very close to it. You know, Troy, SMU, both in it in the closing seconds in, you know, different varieties. We were trying to serve up a, a 10 to 1 parlay there. We're going to go back to our bag of tricks and see if we can find something really lucrative to try to turn around your entire September. Because honestly, going through the entire slate, I don't know how you felt. There just weren't a lot of single-digit underdogs on the table that seemed viable. So when you hear mine, I, I really have to think outside the box. But I'm going to go ahead and, and hope that you can receive me with open arms, possibly you know showing some love. I'll, I'll tip my hand in, in regards to my pick there. But let's start with your addition for our G5 Moneyline underdog parlay. Yeah, I'll be honest. I feel a lot better about mine after listening to uh, the new BCS yesterday because I know Stocky likes this too. I'm going with Georgia State against Coastal. You know, Georgia State's 0-3, but when you look at it closely, they outgained South Carolina week one. I'm not saying they should have won that game, but they were right in the mix. They outgained Charlotte by over 100 yards last week. Darren Granger really struggled passing in the opener, but he tossed three touchdowns against UNC. He had four against Charlotte. He's finally playing better. They still have those two stud running backs, Greg and Williams, who I I love both of them. And Coastal Carolina is 97th at uh, defensive explosiveness. They're 98th in offensive explosiveness. I know it's not the bread and butter. They're, they're kind of just a slow, methodical team. But the Georgia State defense has been really good against the run. And while they have issues against the pass, Coastal's just 103rd in pass play success rate this season. We love Grayson McCall. He's terrific. He's wicked efficient. He just he does what he needs to do. But they have no weapons. They don't have anyone who can pick up a big play and take advantage of a blown coverage through three games. They have just one receiver with double digit catches. They're 109th in pass play explosiveness. So they can't attack Georgia state's biggest weakness, which is getting beat deep through the air. That's not coastal's game. And this Georgia state uh, team has gotten better and better each week, especially on offense. They've lost three tough games, but they had a chance to win all of them. I think Sean Elliott gets his boys fired up. I think they come out with their hair on fire. I think they play desperate. I think they know they've left three games on the table. And I think they come out here and beat Coastal Carolina at home. 
I think it's a good play because honestly, last year, Georgia State was a strong running game paired with a solid defense. This year, their defense is a mess, but they've now paired explosive plays through the air with that rushing attack that's still dynamic. I think this is going to be a high scoring game and you might as well, you know, take a team in a shootout that clearly has proven, you know, they can play above their level. Playing North Carolina within a touchdown, I think, speaks to their overall quality. And honestly, I think it really the game within the game just comes down to Georgia State being able to protect Granger because Coastal Carolina having replaced so many starters in overall production from last year's defense. The one thing that's carried over is their their havoc and their sack rate. So if he's able to play a clean game, you know, two, three sacks max, I think they're going to be able to move the football. And this is going to certainly be a game in the fourth quarter. Interestingly, I think the only fly in the ointment is can Coastal slow things down and play a little bit of keep away? I know they're banged up in their running back room, but that's kind of the the beauty of their offense being so multifaceted that when they want to go to more of a spread triple option, they can do it, kind of eat up the clock. Is that a way for them to protect their defense against the Georgia State team that's coming in red hot offensively? I don't know. I, I think overall, this is a solid play. If you told me three weeks ago, this was a play and it was essentially a pick them I think I'd be on Georgia State as well so I, I, I like that I'm going to go ahead and swing for the fences here as I mentioned not a whole lot that was compelling on the menu but I'm going to go with Indiana plus 550 against Cincinnati and you can look at Indiana two different ways they're 3-0 and and Bill Conley from ESPN and his SP plus projections of the 32 teams that are still undefeated he ranks them 31st essentially saying that they've just been absolutely lucky to get by a Western Kentucky team, an Illinois team. To me, those are two bowl teams. I think Western Kentucky's going bowling. I think Illinois is going to get to that six-win threshold. So realistically, I think those are pretty decent wins. And Connor Bazelak has surprised me in terms of you know being able to protect the football. I know he hasn't been overly efficient in terms of his completion percentage, but he has two tremendous weapons on the perimeter. Cam Camper has 292 receiving yards leading the team this season. And then DJ Matthews, transfer 201 yards per season or per uh per game already at this rate i think they're going to be able to attack the lone weakness in the cincinnati defense i know when you look at their overall metrics they look phenomenal defensively they played kennesaw state no disrespect to the owls and they played miami of ohio without brett gabber so i'm just looking at the opener against arkansas and that was an arkansas team that was run first run second run third and then peppering in a little bit of dj or KJ Jefferson from 2021, he was throwing all over them. And I think the comparison between the, the two passing attacks, I think Indiana is going to be able to move the ball. I'll take a team that can hurt you through the air in an upset spot. And honestly, I think from a motivational standpoint, I, I teased it up with a love, love each other. The Leo tagline for Tom Allen, this is a guy who has believers in his locker room. The fact that they're 3-0, and I'm going to look at that as a positive where some people are saying they're a paper tiger. They're going to give Cincinnati a game, and hopefully the passing game can you know strike gold again and sneak out another close win. I'll be rooting for you. <laughs> I think for that's the nicest, the nicest thing you can say about a parlay that pays out at plus 1330 over at BetMGM. All right, I'm going to run through all of our picks here all in one spot. For our best bets, I like Old Dominion laying six against Arkansas State. Ionella likes TCU minus two in the iron skillet battle against SMU. The G5 high five, we got BYU laying 22 and a half against Wyoming. Kent State catching 45 and a half against Georgia for Ionella's three picks for the G5 high five. 
Eastern Michigan laying six against a woeful Buffalo squad. Toledo minus one against San Diego State. And App State giving a hearty Sunbelt welcome to James Madison laying seven in Boone. And then finally for our money line dog parlay, Indiana plus 550 over Cincinnati and Georgia State plus 120 against the Coastal Carolina. Chanticleers paying out just north of 13 to one. Any other games that were potentially in bonus territory for you, Ionella? Yeah, I left a pair of pair of overs on the cutting room floor. I like the South Florida Louisville over. Uh, South Florida's defense is still atrocious, but their offense has been able to move the ball. I think they can run on, on this Louisville defense. Uh, kind of just a gross one, but Akron Liberty over 58. I think both these teams can score, and I think both these teams have hor- horrible defenses. Kind of a low-key good quarterback battle between Irons and Salter in that one. So I, I, I certainly like that. I'm going to add that to my card. Liberty, Liberty, Liberty. One game to keep an eye on in terms of player availability. Rashin Ali practiced last week, traveled with the team, did not play against Bowling Green. If he suits up, there is not a better G5 running back one-two tandem than Lamborghini Laburn and Rashin Ali up against a Troy defense that's giving five and a half yards per carry, 213 and a half rushing yards per game. That becomes a play for me at Marshall minus three at Troy. Garth Marshall's probably still out. And that's key too, because he's obviously one of their, their key members in their front seven, just a tackling machine. So that becomes a strong play for me. So in terms of the two bonus picks, I think we're in agreement. Akron Liberty over, and then Marshall minus three if you get Ali back in the mix, because I think there's a chance that they could run for close to 300 yards in that game. And honestly, situationally, there's never been a bigger letdown than losing on a Hail Mary. So that, that's where I'm viewing the Trojans. Yeah, I mean, what better than an over between Hugh Freeze and Joe Moorhead? Big red to start the game, but at halftime, if things aren't going so well, we're going to go to Bazooka. Pace, 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 you know, get some interesting <laughs> offensive sets, some RPO action. I like it. I think that's a nice way for us to end the G5 deep dive here in week four. A reminder to our audience that you can tune back into the podcast tomorrow for Stucky and Colin breaking down the entire week four slate, the entire FBS menu. And then on Saturday, Brett McMurphy, Colin, Stucky doing the live show, trying to get you all the last bits of information. For Mike Ainello, I'm Mike Calabrese. This has been the Big Bets on Campus podcast brought to you by BetMGM and our group of five deep dive. I hope you enjoyed and I hope you have a profitable Saturday. Bye.